0: You're listening to the D&B Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, and it is just great to have you with us here again today. Well, we are in the midst of spring, and I'll tell you what, if you live in this region of Eastern Oregon or Southwest Idaho, There are so many great places to go and see that you need to get started now because before you know it, it's going to be fall, the snow's going to come, and you're going to be limited on exploring all this incredible public ground we have around us. Today, I'm going to focus in on one of those areas that's about 70 miles, I think, away from the Boise area. But for anybody that's down in this region, a really good day trip. And for anybody coming from, say, the Magic Valley down around Twin Falls or up around Pendleton, Baker City, Le Grand, a great overnighter. And that is Leslie Gulch out there in the high desert of southeast Oregon. Just a great, great spot. Really pretty, very unique geology, really worth going to see. And something that in this region of the United States, we don't really see that much until we get down into Southern Utah, but there's just this little pocket of it down there in Leslie Gulch. And I wanted to share that with you. So today I'm going to be speaking with a gentleman from the Bureau of Land Management out of the Vale office, the Vale, Oregon office named Dan Thomas. And he's got a lot of great information for us all about Leslie Gulch. We'll have that coming up to you here in just a moment. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about Leslie Gulch.
0: Well, I'm thrilled, and I'm probably my own worst enemy, but I absolutely love that area, and uh, it's so close, and it's so unique. I wanted to share it with everybody who's listening to this show. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, you bet. Well, let's do this. I know you work for the BLM, but I don't know a whole lot about you, and I know our listeners don't either. Can you kind of give us just a brief introduction to Dan Thomas? Tell us about, I guess, how you ended up doing what you do and, and what your life looks like today.
1: Sure. I live in Vale, Oregon, and that happens to be where our district office is for the BLM. And uh, we basically manage the whole eastern side of Oregon, all BLM lands that are From the washington border all the way to the nevada border i started out here as a range technician and uh, i have a personal enjoyment of rafting rivers and so i kind of worked my way into being the river ranger on the oahe and now i'm a recreation planner for the district one of two for our resource area here in the southern end of our district
0: now what does it mean to be a range technician
1: as your listeners probably know Almost all of the uh, 4 million acres that we manage here is uh, authorized for livestock grazing. Mm-hmm. And a range technician would go out and make sure that livestock are in the appropriate fields where they're supposed to be
0: and also um, do a utilization on how much forage was utilized. So you get to float the Owyhee River. So where do you put in at when you, when you float it? Do you float it all the way from the Idaho border? Just because of where the put-ins and
1: take-outs are, we have a memorandum of understanding with the Boise District, and they patrol it from some of their put-ins that are up in the upper end in Idaho on the East Fork and the South Fork, and they patrol to Three Forks for us, and then we patrol from Three Forks basically to Leslie Gulch. And predominantly, I patrol from Rome to Birch Creek because that's the highest Uh, That's the highest use segment of river that we have.
0: What's that stretch like from Rome to Birch Creek? Are there rapids or is it more smooth water?
1: There's definitely some class three rapids, a a few class fours at certain flows. But geologically, it's it's an amazing stretch of river. It's definitely for experienced boaters, experienced rafters and kayakers.
0: Okay, that was my next question. For a novice canoeist like myself, that's not, not the stretch of river for me.
1: Uh, No, I kind (laughs) of I try to discourage, uh, and you know if you're a whitewater canoeer, that's a different story. Those guys are uh, they're highly experienced, but just general like lake canoes, uh, I usually pick up a couple of those a year, (laughs) you know, smashed up in the rock somewhere.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm the type of canoeist that uh, gets wet in a lake, so that's probably not for me. So we're here to talk about Leslie Gulch, which is an awesome area, but. Can you kind of just let people know who have never been there or maybe never even heard of it what Leslie Gulch is?
1: Yeah, I mean, what would draw people there is the geologic beauty, for lack of a better word. It's just a unique landscape. It was formed volcanically, and uh, the specific reasons why I can't really... um, I don't know too much about other than they're volcanic, and it's just just a cool canyon that... uh, uh, it's just a interesting place to go to view that landscape, essentially.
0: Yeah, it's really, really interesting there, and there's some gorgeous hikes if you're willing to kind of get off the road and take off walking. You can get into some really interesting little slot canyons and things like that.
1: Yes, there's two kind of named hikes. Um, one is Juniper Gulch, and the other is Upper Leslie Gulch, but also just there's game trails and old livestock trails you could essentially hike anywhere that looks interesting to you. There's a little bit of private here and there, so you would want to respect private property rights. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there's miles of different kind of self-made hiking trails that you can just take and explore.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a couple others I've read about. I think if I remember right, one's called Dago or Dago Falls or something like that. Does that one ring a bell?
1: Um, There's a Dago Gulch. Okay. Um, and that's actually the one that... Uh, You'll hike several miles and then you'll be you'll enter private property. Um, oh, okay. That's Dago. And that's going off to the, basically to the south, about midway down the
0: road. Well, that's a great start. Let's take our first commercial break. Then when we come back, I want to talk about what people can expect if they head out there, okay?
1: Okay, it sounds good.
0: Spring
2: is already in the air at D&B Supply because we've got DeWalt blowers and trimmers on hand to get you ready for the road or yard ahead. Power through your outdoor spring cleaning with DeWalt's FlexVolt 60-volt max handheld blower or string trimmer. With a super-powered, lightweight lithium-ion battery, they're designed to take charge of tough overgrowth and heavy-duty chores. It's ready, set, blow when you spring into action with your DeWalt blower or trimmer at D&B now
3: tired of choosing between feeding your lawn for a thick green turf and fighting annoying weeds D&B Supply is here to help you do both with Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Sometimes feeding your lawn also means feeding unwanted weeds that have taken root. That's why Scott's developed Turf Builder Weed and Feed, which uses a weed killer while also feeding your lawn to crowd out the weeds. So get to the root of your lawn issues with Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed at your favorite D&B supply. All right, Dan, well,
0: now that we're back tell me how many people go out to Leslie Gulch on an annual basis? Do you have any idea like how many visitors actually go there every year?
1: You know, I don't have an idea. I would say it's one of the more popular use areas on our district, but you have to really take that with comparing it to most of our district that has virtually no use. (laughs) I mean, it's also a, it's a route to the upper end of Lake Wahi, which is kind of a different group of users. So a lot of boaters use that as a means of getting to Lake Wahi. There's a boat ramp at the end of the road and a campground. And so there's kind of a combination of user groups that are using the area for different reasons.
0: Well, now, I think for most of the people who are going to be listening to this show, if they go to visit it, they're going to be coming through either Nampa or coming down from, say, Ontario and through Parma and that area. So can you kind of help people understand how they would get there?
1: Yes. Either way, if you go through Marsing and you're on Highway 95, you take 95 over Marsing grade, and then you're going to turn right on McBride Creek Road. You'll take that through Rockville. It's a little community of houses and a small school. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get on Sucker Creek Road, and then you'll take that for a couple miles, and then you'll turn left on Leslie Gulch Road, and you'll take that right down into Leslie Gulch. That's the most direct way to go. Another way to go, if you're familiar with Sucker Creek State Park, and you're over like in the Homedale area, you would take 201 to the Sucker Creek Turnoff, go through Sucker Creek, up over a grade. Now this is all on dirt road. Mm then you would take that, and eventually you would get to the turnoff to Leslie Gulch. That's the secondary way of going. If it's not muddy and you have a a four-wheel drive truck or a high-clearance truck, you could go that route as well.
0: Now, once folks get out there on the dirt roads, that's all going to be open range for the cattle ranchers, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Um, But you'll be traveling relatively slow on the roads, so hitting livestock wouldn't really be an issue. If that's what you were thinking about.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm thinking about that, but I'm also thinking about folks that get back there and they see cattle on the road. They don't necessarily need to call anybody and say, hey, there's cows out because that's where they belong. Exactly. Yep, (laughs) that's exactly true. Now, in trying to describe Leslie Gulch, you know, I'm not artistic with my words. I don't have a really good ability to just paint a picture in people's minds, but I've heard it referred to as the Southern Utah of eastern oregon meaning southern utah is so well known for those super interesting and beautiful geological features and that's what first drew me down to leslie gulch and when i got there i i thought you know what that was a very apt description
1: yeah it's not sandstone per se but it is the same red tone that i imagine in utah another unique thing about it is for whatever reason, the wind, I, I think it's the wind, but it makes these very specific kind of, I call them potholes in the rock that are pretty unique. And, uh, yeah, its I, I'd say it would be similar to at least pitches that I've seen of Utah.
0: Well, as a person who's been to both, I can say that there's, definite similarities and if you like that region of southern utah you can get a little piece of it there for sure it is really really a beautiful area and it just it kind of blows you away especially when you first drop in at least if you're coming from the from the Marsing side that's pretty dramatic when you first drop into it
1: yeah i would agree with you
0: now what do most people do to recreate there what would your recommendations be for people if they say well we want to go see it but we also want to get out of the car and go do something what are the best ways to recreate in leslie Gulch?
1: Um, if you're not going there, like I said, specifically to boat on the lake, then it would be to view the landscape to um, wildlife. There's a, almost always bighorn sheep, ewes kind of hanging around there. Mm-hmm. And in the spring, the wildflowers are going to be a big draw. So it's basically just, uh, you know, taking in the beauty mm-hmm. and hiking to do that or just viewing it from the, the your car. That would be the main reasons why people would go there for recreational purposes
0: Uh, in terms of the wildflowers uh, it's like we've had this really wet spring so far so is there a way to gauge when they'll be say at maximum bloom is there a way to kind of time your trip out there so you can see as much as possible
1: ah that's a really good question i would say i mean it's greening up now and when i say greening up i would say just as soon as we get like a a good spurt of warm weather, it's really going to cause those wildflowers to just uh, explode. So, But you're going to have a little bit bigger window than that. But, you know, we've been cold here, colder than normal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that first week of
0: good warm weather, I would say at the end of that or the following week, it should be good. Let's take another break. Uh, when we come back, uh, more about the recreation there, okay? Sounds good.
3: Get charged up for your garden work this spring with the all-new HSA-25 battery-powered garden shears from Steel. Available at your favorite DMB supply for just one nineteen ninety-five. these shears are perfect for detail-oriented trimming, making it easier than ever to make quick work of all your garden projects. And with a name like Steel, you can trust they'll last season after season. So head to D&B and trim down your spring to-do list with the first-ever battery-powered garden shears from Steel. During
2: calving season, your livestock operation really comes alive. On your ranch, be born ready with Powder River Livestock Handling Equipment, available at D&B Supply. For almost 80 years, Powder River has stood out as leaders in the livestock handling field with continuous equipment innovation to help ranchers work up-close with their livestock safely and with minimal stress to bring your calves into the world then bring them up right stop on by select d&b supply stores for powder river livestock handling equipment
0: all right well dan i was thinking during the break i was thinking about kind of the different recreation possibilities down there so based on what you were talking about with the hikes i mean there are some named hikes and there's there's uh, some guidebooks that talk about hikes there but well, if you go off and you just kind of go where your spirit takes you and you're following game trails, cattle trails, it's pretty much endless, isn't there, the amount of possibilities?
1: That's exactly right. It just, it's going to be determined by um, how much water you packed with you. <laughs> and, uh, yep, it's totally endless. I mean, you'll get out of Leslie Gulch, but you'll still be in, uh, you know, Leslie Gulch proper. You could hike out of it, but you'll still be in uh, wilderness study areas and you could just go for miles basically
0: you know and you brought up a good point is there any water available to folks there other than once they get down to the owyhee river and the reservoir no we don't have any
1: at our campground we don't have developed water so i've definitely just plan on bringing whatever water you feel like you would need
0: yeah and in terms of services i mean the closest thing is going to be either marsing or jordan valley so don't go out there with you know a quarter tank of fuel
1: yeah, you you definitely want to fill up at Marsing or Homedale, depending on which direction you are going, coming.
0: Now, have you been able to hike there very much? Do you have a favorite route that you like to take? I don't actually go on the two little named hikes very much.
1: My favorite is just kind of just like you said earlier, just wherever it kind of takes me just to explore new areas each time. The two named hikes are relatively short and they, they go up a draw. They're really beautiful. I mean, I, I definitely would go, but you know, just go up one way and come down the same way mm-hmm. kind of cause they're boxed in.
0: And in terms of seasons, uh, obviously spring is going to be beautiful up there. Is that probably the best season to go or is summer better fall? What would you recommend there? I would recommend spring first, just mainly because of the wildflowers and the color, the
1: green. And then secondly, I'd, I would recommend fall only because it's cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, it can get pretty hot in the summertime and you're not gaining anything. Either way, the landscape is going to be similar in the fall or the summer. So you might as well have a little bit cooler weather.
0: I imagine inside that, inside that canyon, middle of the day in the summer, that's got to radiate some heat off the walls of the, those rocks.
1: Yeah, just in general, just the the whole area. I mean, I'm assuming you're in Boise area. Yeah, it gets hot in the summertime. Yeah,
0: so. yeah, no question. Now, in terms of wildlife, the bighorn sheep—that's really exciting. Are those going to be desert bighorns?
1: They're California bighorn.
0: California bighorn. Okay.
1: Yeah, they were planted there years ago when trying to reestablish California bighorn into their kind of their historic
0: ranges. Is that right? Okay, so California bighorn sheep. There's going to be mule deer in, in and around there as well. I thought I read that you can even you could possibly run into some elk and some other wildlife in there. I would be surprised to see elk. You
1: could run into some mule deer and if you did run into elk, I think it would be if you went in there in the winter. Probably. They probably they could winter down there. But in the summer they're going to be like up on Mahogany, I would think. Mahogany Mountain. And then just like we have chucker and quail, um, you know, game birds Mm -hmm. um, would be down in there as well.
0: Now, as you get all the way down and you get to the Owyhee River, uh, you said there's kind of another group of folks that likes to go down there and access the the reservoir from that end. Is there a boat launch or people putting in like fishing boats and things there? Yeah, there's
1: a full boat launch because you're actually not, you're on the reservoir when the reservoir is full I mean, the Leslie Gulch Road goes down to the reservoir. So it is technically the Oahe River, I guess, but it's more, uh, you're going to expect a reservoir environment. And so, yeah, there's fit, people would be fishing or uh, people would be launching like big bass boats. I mean, it's a concrete boat ramp. It's, you know, it's pretty developed.
0: And then what about camping? You mentioned that there's one campground. or Is there just the one organized campground in that general vicinity?
1: Yeah, there's one. It has 12 campsites with picnic tables and, uh, also like, uh, kind of a gazebo affair for shade and, uh, for each individual site. And then there's, um, outhouse type bathrooms, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the concrete vault toilets essentially Yeah, and no water, like I said, and, uh, that's about it for developed campsites anyways.
0: And then do those get filled up pretty frequently during the the best camping seasons, or is it if you show up, you're likely to get one? You know, all
1: the times I've been to Leslie Gulch, I've never seen it full. I did see a photo of it full once, like it was a Labor Day weekend or a Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Sometimes because of the boat ramp there in the lake, sometimes it has to do with like some particular game fish that might be biting really heavily. Okay. And then because that campground is also serves people uh, using the lake. But of the 50 times, a hundred times I've been down there, generally there's nobody there Okay. or maybe one or two people. So your chances of being able to get one of those campsites is Pretty good.
0: Now, if you get down there and for some reason the campground was all filled up, is it is it allowed to camp outside of the organized campground and around that area? It is,
1: except for the fact that it's a WSA, a wilderness study area, and so you can't drive off the road. So essentially, and just because it's in a canyon, the, the places where you could pull off and camp – without just going, you know, cross country and getting into the sagebrush or something are pretty limited. Mm-hmm. And so there could be a, a turnout here and there in the road where you could camp, but you'll be right on the edge of the road. The The better option would be to go back out of the canyon and camp in some of the dispersed camping areas where you can, that you've you passed on the way of getting into Leslie Gulch. You know, those are the hundreds of side roads that are going off that main Leslie Gulch road mm-hmm. that... You could pull down and camp on and have a more um, a more private camp than just camping on the side of a road, basically. The side of a pretty well-used road. Hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, I, I get it. Uh, so, it, you need a bigger, broader area because uh, it's less tied up on top. No canyon.
1: Yeah, and there's just less people. There's less traffic once you get off onto the, the spur roads mm-hmm. that... Um, You know, then nobody is going are going down.
0: All right. Well, let's take another break. When we come back, uh, there's a few rules and things like that I want to ask you about, just so our listeners know if they go down there, what they can and and cannot do. Okay.
2: Wrangler is made for those who roll with the times. Stop by D&B Supply for spring looks that fit in anywhere life takes you. With a modern take on iconic Western style, Wrangler has new styles and great fits in jeans, jackets, shirts, dresses and more. For everyday life and epic moments, Wrangler is always ready to roll. Some things never go out of style. For classic wardrobe staples that stand the test of time, get your Wrangler wear at D&B Supply.
3: You already know Honda makes some of the most reliable, fuel-efficient cars on the planet. And that's just as true for Honda lawnmowers. The best thing about a Honda mower is it's a Honda which means exclusive features like a four-in-one twin blade cutting system that results in finer clippings for either bagging or when mulching, actually feeding your lawn for important nutrients. And it also means a highly fuel-efficient engine that's easier on the environment while you're sprucing up your environment. Plus, depending on the model, Honda Residential Mowers come with either a three- or five-year limited warranty. Shop Honda at select d supply stores in eastern Oregon and southern Idaho.
0: All right, Dan. Well, I I was reading over some of the rules and I want to make sure that everybody has, you know, the appropriate expectations of what they can and cannot do if they make this trek out there. Something I like to do in Southeast Oregon and uh, and over here in Southwest Idaho, I I love to go out and look for interesting rocks and things like that. Now, are you allowed to collect rocks or minerals or things like that out of Leslie Gulch and remove them? Uh, I'm
1: going to refer to our WSA kind of guidelines for that. Uh Um, you are allowed to essentially like pick up a rock or two, uh, but there comes a point when you're like actually mining. And so, so yeah, just like the common rock hounder, that is okay. The thing is, unless Gulch isn't actually known for having like thunder eggs and rocks like that, people that are actually rock counting are usually going somewhere else if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's not the ideal spot right in there. The places where folks like to go, is it reasonable proximity to Leslie Gulch? Like if you wanted to make a weekend trip that included rock hounding, would that be a decent place to camp?
1: Yeah. There's uh on the way to Leslie Gulch, you're going to pass a, a kind of an information sign that's going to talk about petrified wood. And there's some areas there where People go and uh, look for petrified wood, Mm -hmm. but it's really close to Leslie Gulch. You could camp at Leslie Gulch and then drive out and do that.
0: Now, can folks take their horses and ride their horses up in
1: there? No. Right in Leslie Gulch proper in the ACEC, we have four. It's one of the reasons why the ACEC was named ACEC. We have four sensitive plants then so for that reason, we don't have livestock grazing or horseshoes to f- for the protection of those, those four plants that are pretty only um, found anywhere in the world in this general area. Oh, really? Um, what a, do you know so what those there.
0: plants are? That's interesting.
1: I do. Um, I may not pronounce them right, <laughs> but actually there's five sensitive plant species and they're called Packards, mentzilia grimy Ivesa, sterile milk vetch, Edders, Senechio, and wahi clover.
0: All right. Are they, uh, if somebody was like, wow, I want to go see those, are they easy to identify or does it take a trained eye? Uh, that they would have to like research. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it would take
1: a trained eye since I don't know what they look like. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, I, I couldn't describe it how, and, uh, Somebody with some kind of botany experience uh-huh. may know what it looks like, um, or I'm sure you can just like Wikipedia it or something and see what it looks like, and then use that tool to find it. And I think a lot of these plants have a pretty short bloom period.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I've and actually so- I've actually got a degree in range science, and part of getting that degree, I had to identify all of these. Native and perennial grasses and forbs and shrubs and things like that, I have no idea how I ever did that. i'm horrible at that. I could never go find these no. things.
1: Well, you know, maybe you should go look for
0: them yeah so, okay you'd never yeah, see me so, again but, I'd just be looking yeah so to answer your
1: question it's although it seems like a really good area to horseback ride and it would be
0: mm-hmm.
1: within the a c e c proper we have to um to not allow it for those plant species.
0: Now, off-highway vehicles, if people want to take their razors, their motorcycles, their four-wheelers, whatever it may be, obviously, you don't want them getting off, uh, up into those trails and into those, you know, off the road, but can they ride them on the, the BLM roads out there?
1: Yep. And the only BLM road in Leslie Gulch proper that you can ride them on is the main road that goes down to the campground. So, okay. it's the main road that you came in on, and so, and, and so that's, it's not, it's kind of limiting to that recreational activity Mm -hmm. due to the lack of roads in the area. Um, So that's something that you would do prior to dropping into Leslie Gulch on some of those roads that kind of spur off
0: Mm -hmm.
1: the main road that goes down there.
0: And then what about shooting? A lot of people like to go out and they like to take their guns out and do some target shooting and things like that. Is that restricted there in Leslie Gulch?
1: You know, I'm not sure if it's legally restricted. I've never seen anybody doing it just because it is kind of a, higher use area. Uh-huh. But there again, I would say it's going to be really specific once you actually get to Leslie Gulch because there's a a big sign that says you're here. And but prior to that, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of open BLM lands where shooting would be much more appropriate.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. its safe. Get out there away from people with a good backstop and and uh yeah. let everybody camp without the uh the the gunfire going on yeah now what about weather conditions? I mean, it is a canyon uh, if you go out there in the spring, this is when we get the bulk of our thunderstorms and our heavy rains here in this region of the of both Oregon and Idaho. So are flash floods and things like that a concern? Yes, um they're not a you know an overwhelming concern, but the thing to think about is
1: like all those draws are ephemeral, basically, meaning that there's no vegetation holding the soils no riparian vegetation holding the soil so when you get one of those really strong flashy rains Mm -hmm. it just uh it fills those draws and it might just run for a couple hours and it's there's not filled so much the point where it would actually drown somebody but a lot of times it like will cut off your access like like if you're down there one of these draws will a bunch of soil into the road, or maybe cut into the road and block access, and we have to get down there and repair the road. So that's more of the concern, gotcha. if that makes sense.
0: Yep, it does. So you could actually get stuck in there, or he'd just need to find an alternative way out on one of the other other roadways? No, there is no other alternative route. <laughs> you would be
1: stuck in... I mean, but we would get down there fast if we knew that there was campers down there okay. and, uh, and get it repaired. But yeah, you could definitely... If you were at the campground when the road washed out, you would be there until we repaired it.
0: Okay. That is great information to have. You know, somebody like me going, oh, you just take another road out of there. You're like, "Nope, that's the only road. That's it. Yeah, that, that is it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take one last break. And then when we come back, you, you mentioned ACEC a couple times. I want to talk about that and what that is. All right. Okay.
2: Know when they say good fences make good neighbors? When you've got Balin Country gates and panels to really fence your livestock in, also when you let your neighbor in on the great deals you can find on Balin Country at D and B. Made from steel and designed for stamina, Balin Country gates and panels are tested to match up to robust ranch life. So instead of mending all those fences, round up a whole new one with Balin Country at D and B Supply.
3: Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything, so d Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way, Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force, the line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do to outlast them all. Get decked out in Carhartt at d
0: all right, Dan. Well, as we were talking about before the break, you've mentioned ACEC a couple times, and I've read up on this, but what does that mean? What's that stand for? ACEC stands
1: for an area of critical environmental concern. And basically, they're different parcels of land that for one of several reasons, we've kind of gave some added special um, management to. It could be historic, cultural, or scenic values, could be fish or wildlife resources, it could be, you know, or other natural systems or processes. Um, Leslie Gulch values are its high scenic values, bighorn sheep and habitat, and the five sensitive plant species that I mentioned earlier. And then also, besides the ACEC, it's also... A WSA which have some protective values there as well WSA stands for wilderness character unit a uh, wilderness study area mm-hmm. so those two kind of overlay each other in that area
0: so that just means that there are uh, is it extra restrictions uh, for example not having horses and things like that just to protect whatever those environmental concerns that have been identified are
1: essentially yes Like the restrictions wouldn't be the same in every ECEC. It's kind of uh, ACEC dependent. Uh So let's just use that example. Horses aren't restricted because it's an ACEC. Horses are restricted because of those five sensitive plants.
0: Now, I read somewhere that I guess is is the future of Leslie Gulch, how it's going to be categorized or that type of thing. Is that still up for some debate? Um, it's not up
1: for some debate as far as this district is concerned. We have no, I mean, our district has no plans to, you know, remove it as an ACEC. Those important criteria that we're trying to protect, they'll always be there. And so we'll continue to do that into the future. As far as the WSAs, WSA, as I said, stands for a wilderness study area. And our district has basically recommended to Congress to make, that area a wilderness area but that's in congress's hands and so if there is any fate of leslie gold uh, i guess that would be the only you know whatever congress does is what congress does i Mm -hmm. guess is the simple way to answer that um but it's been 25 years it's been a wilderness study area Mm -hmm. maybe longer i mean since the 70s late 70s and and it's still, you know, Congress isn't like acting.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really can't answer what Congress may or may not do. <laughs> well, if you could, oh future. my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'd be in the wrong job if you could answer that question. Yeah. Well, so if it does ever get changed to a wilderness area versus a wilderness study area, what does that mean? I mean in practical effect, how does that things change? From a practical effect, it doesn't change the user uh
1: because we're managing essentially as a Ws as a wilderness area now, mm-hmm. so when it wouldn't change the user's experience. All it would really do is uh, it would solidify that management indefinitely, instead of being uh in Congress's hands. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. The road into Leslie Gulch would still be the road into Leslie Gulch because that road is a boundary of the WsAs. So. So as an example, that road would always be open because it's not in a WSA. It's a boundary of three, if that makes
0: sense. I I think I get it. And I just thought of one bonus question, uh, especially for folks who live in Idaho that might want to head out there. If someone's going out there to camp and they're thinking, well, it's right on the reservoir, I'd like to fish. But they're actually, they're only going to enter Oregon. Uh, once they turn off a of highway ninety five. Do you know, you may not even know this, but is there like in Marsing or Nampa or somewhere like that, can somebody buy an Oregon fishing license or do you actually have to have your feet in the state of Oregon to get a fishing license to fish there? Um I, No pressure if you don't know. I'm just I just thought uh, of that. I mean usually um, I'm trying to I'm just trying
1: to think of where coming from Idaho. I mean I think you could probably buy a fishing license at like uh in scene somewhere even though you're right that is technically in idaho i don't i guess i don't have the answer to that
0: yeah you know i <laughs> i don't either so but I, it's good to bring it up just so folks because if yeah. nobody if people are going out there and they've never been out there before if you go through marcing you're not going to hit any towns in oregon you're going to be there before you ever see a town so you'd have to go all the way to jordan valley or go to nissa or something like that uh, to get your fishing license if if you didn't have another way
1: yeah or um. I'm sure one of your listeners will probably just say, well, you could do it
0: online. And that's probably so, true. That's probably so that true. that might be true. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dan, it's a beautiful area. I really appreciate you sharing it with us. If people want more information, if they'd like to research it more or or they've got questions we didn't answer during the show, how would they get that information? What would be the best way to do that? Google's always a good way. There's a,
1: Half the time I get a phone call from somebody and I'll get on my computer and Google the answer. <laughs> so I would Google Leslie Golch, but they could always call our office, and if there was a specific question, I'd be happy to answer it. Our office here at the Vail District, I think those are probably the two best ways. I mean, we have some little handouts here at the office, but it's, it's really not worth driving out of the way to get them because um, it's not really on the way to Leslie Golch to come to Vail. So, yeah, just, I'd be happy to answer any questions I
0: could answer okay. if people had them. Awesome. Well, Dan, thanks so much for coming on and sharing this with us today. Really enjoyed hearing about it. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the D&B Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.